0: A Christian voice in your home. You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you Battle Ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good morning. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today, if you've been to Mass this morning, we're in day th- four, I think, of ordinary time. Uh, and the the first reading for today's Mass is from uh, the 1 Samuel. So the first book of Samuel. <clears throat> and it's an interesting reading because what happens is it's giving you the details of basically the Israelites getting crushed by the Philistines. God's people being delivered over to the Philistines. So here's the reading for today. The Philistines gathered for an attack on Israel. Israel went out to engage them in battle and camped at Ebenezer, while the Philistines camped at Afek. The Philistines then drew up in battle formation against Israel. After a fierce struggle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who slew about 4,000 men on the battlefield. When the troops retired to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord permitted us to be defeated today by the Philistines? Let us fetch the Ark of the Lord from Shiloh, that it may go into battle among us and save us from the grasp of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Lord of hosts, who was enthroned upon the cherubim. The two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were with the Ark of God. When the ark of the Lord arrived in the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth resounded. The Philistines, hearing the noise of shouting, asked, What can this loud shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? On learning that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were frightened. They said, Gods have come to their camp. They said also, Woe to us! This has never happened before. Woe to us! Who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods that struck the Egyptians with various plagues and with pestilence. Take courage and be manly Philistines. Otherwise you will become slaves to the Hebrews, as they were your slaves. So fight manfully. Philistines fought and Israel was defeated every man fled to his own tent it was a disastrous defeat in which Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers the ark of the God was captured and Eli's two sons Hophni and Phinehas were among the dead a grim story for the people of God there's some interesting things we can take away from this first of all they go into battle in the initial battle where they lose the 4,000 Israelites and they lose and they say, let us go fetch the Ark of the Lord that he may go into battle among us. These people don't seem to realize yet that God is uh, bigger than just the Ark. You know, his presence at the Ark is is uh, to be certain, but that's certainly not uh his entire presence they don't realize this is a god that is everywhere and all powerful uh, and he doesn't have the ark doesn't need to be there so God kind of gives them a lesson about this that once they take the ark into the battle they lose 30,000 men you know almost 10 times as many as the first battle and the ark gets captured if you want to use the word captured the Lord goes with the Philistines into their camp uh, after this reading, if you continue further on. And wherever the ark is placed, the people are covered with boils and sores all over their bodies. And they realize very quickly, uh, this ark isn't going to work for us. We need to get this out of here. Wherever we put the ark, there's chaos and trouble among the people. So eventually the ark gets sent back to uh, the Israelites. Uh, But, you know, something to look at is... The posture of the Philistines is one of somewhat of humility. They're they're recognizing that you know God has come into their camp of the uh, with them with the Ark uh, when it's when it comes down to fight against the Philistines and they recognize that they seem to have a better grasp of what's going on than the than the Jews do. So th- this whole uh, mess begs the question: Why did God? not fight for his uh, chosen people the Israelites well it goes back to the leader at the time and that would be Eli Eli is a high priest over the Jews he's also a judge this is the period when uh, the Kings haven't been uh, enacted or put into power yet so Eli would be the second to last judge after him becomes uh, Samuel, his protege, and Samuel would be the last judge. And after that comes the kings. Eli was weak in terms of disciplining his children, Hophni and Phinehas, and his children turned out to be complete derelicts uh, and blasphemers of the Lord. They were, uh, I don't know what the proper word to say, they were... Engaging the temple prostitutes Uh, They were taking the choice portions of the sacrifices So the best cuts of the meat that was supposed to go to God In the sacrifice, they were taking for themselves Stealing from the Lord, you might say So uh, just a mess And because of this um, God prophesies that he's going to will give them over to their enemies. How does he do that? he does it through Samuel. So Samuel, if you remember, is the one who was with Eli in the temple in the uh, in the next to the ark where the, where the ark was placed the, the temple didn't exist yet but in the room where the where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, that's where Eli was sleeping on the floor when the Lord spoke to him. And he, get, he kept getting up and going to Eli, saying, D- did you call me? And Eli finally said, no, if it happens again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then God speaks to Samuel. So let's look at Samuel. He's a very interesting uh, person of the Old Testament. Intriguing, I would say. One of the most intriguing, at least to me. He's really a star player. In the story of David and Saul, uh, who were the first two uh, God-anointed kings of Israel, Saul being the first, David the second, Uh, we meet him as a baby, you know, his mother Hannah. She was the one crying in the temple when Eli stumbled upon her and thought she was drunk. Uh, We see him as a national leader. He's a great intercessor. And there's even a story later on where his ghost is summoned, uh, so here's just a few interesting little Biblical facts about this a prophet and Judge Samuel. So first of all, he's a miracle child. Uh, the Bible tells of many significant adults, but only a handful of significant pregnancies. You know, Among them would be Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, uh, Samson, John the Baptist, and Jesus. Uh, when we meet Samuel's parents, uh, we meet them before we meet Samuel. His mother, Hannah, could not have children, but God heard her prayers, and she is blessed with this child, Samuel. His name also means name of God. If The translation of Samuel literally means uh, the name of God or God has heard, uh, which would be referring to her prayer. Uh he is from the tribe of Levi, from the priestly uh, line, and uh, he actually turns out to be much more than a priest. He's, uh, he's uh, a great leader of these people. And if you go to the book of Judges, you can read about all these judges uh, that, we're, that go through leading the Jews during this uh, period in history. So, it would begin after Joshua dies, uh, after he, who is the successor of uh, Moses, uh, the, the comes the day of the judges. There was no centralized government ruling over the Jews at this point, and God would just raise up individuals to deliver Israel from her enemies. And I believe there was 12 judges. Uh, so, what else can we tell you? Samuel is the one who anointed those first two kings So Saul and David And he is the first of the prophets In the book of Acts Peter considers Samuel to be the first of the prophets After Moses, that is Uh, Samuel is a priest He's also a Nazarite So he's uh, raised much like I think John the Baptist Was of the same sort of cut from the same cloth so not cutting their hair Um, they couldn't uh, no alcohol on their lips certain prescriptives to be a Nazarite and he happens to be the only ghost that we meet in the scriptures so Saul if you remember after Samuel dies Saul meets with this witch of Endor and conjures up the spirit of Samuel who is not happy about what Saul has done So that's uh, a unique uh, quality of Samuel. Samuel also led the greatest Passovers. Hundreds of years after Samuel's death, a king named Josiah celebrates the Passover, and it's such an affair that the author says it's the greatest Passover ever. Well, ever since Samuel's day. So he was somebody that uh, really took a great amount of passion in celebrating the feast of the Passover. He's remembered for his prayers. Uh, David, the psalmist, in Psalm 99, ranks him with Moses and Aaron as the one who called upon the Lord's name. And God called Samuel by name twice. So he's an interesting uh, character of the Old Testament. Now, back to the question though. Why was... um, this people, this chosen people of God, rejected uh, by the Lord in this story, in this battle against the Philistines? Well, if you look at the first four chapters of 1 Samuel, we see Eli uh, served as a priest, and in fact, a high priest in the house of the Lord in, in Shiloh, where the Ark was kept. He's also, as I said, a judge over Israel. And the, uh, the account in 1 Samuel introduces the story of Samuel, who was the one who would replace Eli to be the judge over Israel. Now, for Eli, serving as both the priest and a judge over Israel, it had a great sense of responsibility to this job, and also a great accountability to God is required. And when we consider what God said... That's recorded in the second chapter in the book of Malachi concerning his priests This is what the Lord said And now, O priests, this commandment is for you If you will not hear and if you will not take it to heart To give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you And I will curse your blessings Yes, I have cursed them already because you do not take it to heart Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse in your faces the refuse of your solemn feasts, and one will take you away with it. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and... Injustice was not found on his lips He walked with me in peace and equity And turned many away from iniquity For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge And people should seek the law from his mouth For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts That's from the second chapter of the book of Malachi Okay, so Eli has these two sons Hophni and Phinehas They're also priests and they're kind of like his right-hand men. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 1 verse 3. Uh, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. That's verse 12. They took meat from the sacrificial animals before it was dedicated to God by the people of Israel. Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. There's also another indictment against these two brothers, and Eli was aware of it. This is from uh, the second chapter. Now, Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all of Israel, and how they lay with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. Know, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. One man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father, because the Lord desired to kill them. So these these boys, uh, they're transgressing all over the place. They don't seem to have a conscience, and they're doing all things evil. So... The Lord uh, speaks to Samuel and kind of gives him this prophecy of he's, he's going to uh, come against the people of Israel because of their transgressions, particularly because these boys are leading the country astray. And that's what happens in this reading today in the, the fourth uh, chapter of 1 Samuel. Uh, they get crushed and it's a, you know, it's a point for them to repent This is always about repentance when uh, we transgress away from the lord you know he removes his hand of protection not because he's moving away from us but because we're moving away from him and when we move away from him uh, he's a gentleman so when we say we want to do it our way we don't want to go your way the lord says okay you have a free will go ahead and do it your way and we'll see what happens and often it doesn't go so well or maybe it does in the beginning in the very beginning of this freedom plan that people come up with to get away from the ways of God. But then it goes horribly wrong. Uh, if you remember the, uh, the story of the prodigal son, he had a great freedom plan to get away from his family. He wanted his half of the inheritance and then he was going to go run off and live his life of debauchery and have a good old time. And uh, that old, Dried up. When the money was gone, so were the friends, and he winds up being somebody that's feeding pigs for a living, which for a Jew would have been uh, the ultimate embarrassment and disgrace. But he had that freedom plan to get to 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 go out and stake his claim on the world. But the problem with these kind of ideas is when you're going to formulate a plan that does not include God or his, his plans for you, then you're destined for trouble, just destined for trouble. And like I said, it might look good in the beginning, you know, because the enemy always has to hook us with something that appears to be very good, uh, pleasing to the eye, as uh, he said to Eve. So this is what happens. And then eventually we get so embedded in problems and our lives get turned upside down because we've eliminated the one uh, person who is most important, and that's our Creator, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then all things go amok, and if we are blessed with the grace, we repent. We repent. Not everybody does, sadly, but this is an opportunity when we feel like things are going uh, haywire because we have rejected God and His ways, that we turn back to Him, and He always takes us back. He's the perfect father. He always takes us back. Once we, he recognizes our true repentance, and our, we ask for his mercy. He he grants that freely. that's the kind of God we have. You know, we have a father. There's no other religion where we they call God their father. You know, this is uh, unique to Christianity, uh, and he's a good father, as Jesus tells us in the scriptures. So. This could, lesson can be applied to uh, earthly parents as well. You know, um, what Eli did is he didn't really corral his sons in early enough. He, he waited too long until they were finally, uh, you know, grown men who were doing their own thing. He really should have been more um, heavy-handed in, in reeling them in as, as youths and young adults. Uh, and, and that's where they kind of went off the rails so,, uh, as a result, a whole nation of people had to suffer. You know? They lose in this battle and uh, horrible things happen. Uh, I might add that Eli himself, when he gets the news of the defeat and his uh, two sons being dead, he falls off his chair and he breaks his neck and he dies as well. So it was just uh, one bad event followed by another. But it doesn't have to go that way, folks, you know. Well, if we would just be a people that trusts in God and his plans for us and we follow the uh, the ways he set before us, we'd be fine. Now, does that mean you're not going to suffer? No. Suffering is part of this life. Jesus said, uh, pick up your cross daily and follow me. But we can go through life even if we're picking up our crosses daily, and still have a wonderful uh, life filled with joy and peace, because those things are gifts that come from God directly into our souls and permeate outwardly. Did you know that St. Thomas Aquinas said that uh, the human person is, uh, needs to experience the joy of the Lord? It's something that we need. It it fulfills us. It's part of our DNA makeup that we must have the joy of the Lord. And when we don't have the joy of the Lord, because we're not following the Lord, we manufacture our own joy, which comes in the form of pleasure. Of course, pleasure isn't uh, something that goes into your soul and outward. Pleasure comes from the outside through the senses and then inwardly to the person and lasts for a fleeting instant and then is over. So it's a, it's a sad second place compared to the true joy that comes from God alone. So uh, this lesson about, you know, being, being wise disciplinarians of your children in order that they would turn out to be uh, good and gracious adults who are contributing to the world in a A practical and both practical and beneficial way is important. It's important. This is a, a, we're living in strange times with all the COVID regulations and ever-changing world around us, but you know, we should always be people that want to um, form disciples even at the youngest ages. You know, it's never too young. I would say as Well, even in the womb, I would be uh, proclaiming scriptures over uh, your babies that that are in the womb, you know, scriptures that are about a future full of hope, like uh, Jeremiah 29 um, and and others. But then as soon as the, the child is born, that child should be raised always seeing his or her parents praying. And loving each other the greatest gift parents can give to their children is a sense of uh, peace and security in knowing their parents are uh, very much love each other and the child but that seeing your parents pray on a daily basis forms the child into a prayerful person and, th- and they won't realize that uh, the whole world isn't doing this until they go off on their own and realize not everybody's raised that way but that's the best way to form a disciple of jesus is to have the child from the very beginning uh, be a witness to and a participant when they're old enough of joining in that that uh, prayer that the family can pray together day in and day out uh i had this g- gentleman came and did a mission tim francis wonderful wonderful man who is now his whole life is about serving the Lord in teaching people about the beauty and the, the, the great divinity of the Eucharist. But he said something to me very interesting. He says, you know, for the last, whatever, 50, 60 years, maybe longer, we have sent a message to our children that school is the most important thing. Everything is about your education. And and to a degree, I, I kind of, I can see how he sees it that way, because that is the way a lot of people believe. It's all about your grades and getting into the right schools and getting into the right colleges and getting the right degree so you can get the right job and you can have success and you can you know retire and have a great life right okay uh, but when that's the message you hear your whole life and God is second to that message because let's be honest in many cases God is not even spoken about but education is pushed hard when the kid goes off to college and the college says God is dead and there is no God Uh, are we at all surprised that so many uh, thousands and thousands of children are returning home after college as you know angry atheists it should be no surprise the academia for the most part is is anti-religion and uh, they're pushing a whole different agenda not all but many most I would say I went to a Catholic University it, it wasn't very Catholic, to be honest So, that's, and that's Catholic let, let alone the ones who are, are not Catholic But uh, fear not The Lord is always in control Consecrate your children to the sacred and immaculate hearts Trust in his providence And as uh, our great Saint, Saint Padre Pio used to say Pray, hope, and don't worry It's been wonderful to be with you this day This is Father Dan signing out